the standings. Some of these dog and handler teams saw themselves go up in the standings while others went down. Most notably in the amateur division, Casey Parker and Bailey didn't have the greatest series allowing Ron Anderson and Smoke to sneak back into the top three. Mike Gibson and Jeter entered the day in first, but now find themselves a few points behind after series four. In the open division among our pros, Clark Kennington in series four had four dogs and Lyle Steinman two. It's a similar breakdown here in the finals with Clark having two of the three final dogs and Lyle having one. At the end of the day, we'll see which one of these two gentlemen is our crown champion. It is Crown Championship Day here in Huntsville. Welcome to the Super Retriever Series presented by Yuka Nuba. I'm Tommy Sanders here in the studio with Chris Aiken. And Chris, we've been through it all. This is the day we've been looking for, the final day of the race. All right, guys. That commercial right there is coming from the Super Retriever Series presented by Yuka Nuba which, of course, is a sponsor to the podcast. We love them to death. Um, it's time to start gearing up for the Super Retriever Series Championships. This year, it will be in Natchez, Mississippi, from September 25th to 29th. What's crazy is it's, it's the largest turnout that we've ever seen. Uh, of course, most of y'all know that follow the podcast. I was there last year. I got invited by Shannon Nardi. Met my buddy uh, Jerry Impervento out there. He took some photos of my crazy looking dog. Um, but there's a total, there's a total, total, total of 64 qualified dogs. 20 more than we had last year, which makes it the largest group ever, the strongest group ever. We've got uh, 32 qualified amateurs. So make sure that you, if you are uh, in the Natchez area, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, if you just feel like making a long trip from the other half of the country, doesn't matter. Make sure you get out here to the Super Retriever Series. I want to thank Shannon Nardi for keeping me updated as well. If you guys need a refresher, also, you can check it out on Amazon Prime. Just go in the search bar and type in Super Retriever Series. You can catch a few episodes there. That clip, like I said, was um, definitely a snippet from the Amazon Prime uh, episode. And I wanted to kind of, you know, go ahead and get this ramped on up. From now throughout September, I am going to be covering some of the pros and amateurs doing some interviews and, you know, just kind of keeping y'all up to date and up to speed with what these guys are thinking and all the good, the bad ups and downs that go on with competing dogs. So thanks again to Yukonuba Sporting Dog, Super Retriever Series, and Miss Shannon Nardi. I'm also hoping I can make it out to the competition on that weekend if I'm not working, um, you know, if I'm not getting off of work too late. So check it out. Amazon Prime, stay tuned for more from the Super Retriever series presented by Yukonuba.
the Gundog Notebook Podcast is presented to you by OnX Hunt, crafted to be the number one digital mapping resource for hunters, anglers, and landowners. Download the OnX Hunt app from your phone's app store today and check out onyxmaps.com for more inside Onyx. Also want to bring to you Garmin, Build a better dog with devices for tracking and training, from obedience to hunting, limiting nuisance barking. Get exactly what you need to make a life with your hunting buddy that much better. Go check out the Garmin Pro 550 Plus. That's what we're using on this side of town. And uh, get yourself ready for the hunting season coming up. Don't have your dog running all out there crazy. Get him woke, broken, in collar condition. That's what we are working on now. Go check them out right now at Garmin.com. The Gun Dog Notebook is also brought to you by Dakota 283 Kennels. Check out the new updated price drops on Dakota283Kennels.com. Use the promo code TGDN10 for 10% off at checkout. Also presented to you by Lion Country Supply, the Gun Dog World's premium gun dog supplier. Check them out now. All right, guys, we are back with another episode of the Gun Dog Notebook Podcast. I am back and enjoying getting on the air with you guys and just kind of keeping y'all up to date with the latest happenings and going ons and everything. First and foremost, you know, shout out to the season opening, man. It's dove season. Ruger had a wonderful performance, though very short. Uh, it was just way too hot. Um, but I still liked his blind manners and... Uh, is retrieves the hand. He looked very good. Um, I also want to do a little shout out to Mick Malady, who commissioned me to do a piece on his Labradors. Um, and I really enjoyed it. So thank you, Mick. And you will also be receiving a Project Upland magazine in that in the mail with that. Also to Dr. Emerson Carson, go check his podcast that I did with him. Dr. Cochran gifted me three wonderful works of art by Maynard Reese, Ray Harm, and James Partee Jr. All heavy hitters in the sporting art and wildlife art uh, world. So I just wanted to say thank you publicly. But anywho, going and getting to the podcast, guys. We are on the line with Lyle Steinman of Castile Creek Kennels. Check him out now. champion of the Super Retriever Series, and we're getting ready to go right on into this year's um, SRS in Natchez in, in uh, Mississippi. So, Lyle, how's it going? Uh, it's been a long summer. Some hot, some cold. Uh, well, it's been hot here in Georgia. So, <laughs> so look, I'm, I, I would definitely take some of the cold right now. Now, this, all right, so you, let's talk about weather. Let's let's get there. You got labs. How do you keep your dogs in condition during the summer? Because mine is as hard as I'll get out to do it. Well, I mean, I, t I tell you what we've started with. We, we start with 
you know, for 13 years, we've been with Country Vet Pet Foods, and we believe a, a good quality natural dog food is the secret. Um, maintaining the right weight on each dog. And then our other sponsor, Zoom Dog Supplements, has been with us now almost 10, 11, 12 years. And so it's a combination of that and their product line. And then they've reintroduced a product called Thirsty Dog that uh, we've literally saved dog or two's life from overheating. And I know several other pro trainers have come up to me and said, this product is unbelievable. So they're going to start advertising it pretty heavy in the South because of, of the, of your heat. But it is a product that, that we will use in Natchez, Mississippi at the crown to try and get an advantage, uh, over, you know, it's basically Gatorade for dogs is the best way to put it. Okay. No crash. Okay. So, you know, in the conditioning, I think you just got to be aware of what you're doing and, and like yesterday, we ran six marks and one blind. It was land blinded, and we got through it quick enough without taking out a mark or or going away from our our program. But you know, you just got to train wise is you've got to look at the dog. For instance, I believe that that certain dogs have higher body core temperatures and other dogs can take heat better. So, you know, if it's a hot day or, or whatever the condition is, you just need to train those dogs first. And if you have to get them off the trailer and put in the kennels and put fans on them, you just, you just have to do that. Okay. Uh, you just gotta, you just gotta uh, condition yourself with certain dogs on, on what they can take and what they cannot take. Okay, cool. Now you giving me all the science of it and I'm loving it. Now I got more questions for you. Where at what point do you start figuring out that dog's, you know, core temperature? Like what, what are the indicators for you? Well, if you've got dogs that come out of the trailer and they're already excited and they're panting heavy and you go, okay, this is, you just got to watch at every, after every mark or after every blind, can we go one more mark? Can we go one more blind? And, and that is, you've got to remember, these are professional athletes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, they're no different than the Kansas City Chiefs or any of the other NFL teams or any sports. You know, it's, it's you, you, the great ones know how to push to the bare minimum, you know, and then that's enough. Right. There'll be another day. There'll right. be another mark. There'll be another burp. Right. Now, in that, it's it's interesting you bring up that point. Um, you know, good dogs will know when to turn it off is, is what I'm understanding you're saying. And I don't perceive that to be a dog quitting on you, but it just it's they're 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 professional athletes, like you said. We're getting these dogs for intelligence. Um and I think that really speaks to the relationship that you have with them, you know, being able to trust the dog to turn itself off or you or, or the dog trusting you to know when to stop. Well, yes, excuse me, because there's a there's there's several dogs that would literally kill themselves for mm-hmm. one more retreat. Mm hmm. So as a trainer or I guess you'd say as a teacher. We're really the good ones are teachers. They're not trainers. The, the good dog trainers are teachers. And the sense of is you've got a triple and a double blind. Well, maybe two marks and one blind's enough for that dog today. It's just you just got to know when to quit and go. Okay, there'll be another day. Mm-hmm. Well, there'll be another set of marks. And 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 you go about it like that. Okay, okay. Now, 
in preparation for, you know, your, your UKCs, your AKCs, your SRS, all of these, you know, big time events, you know, when do you start looking for that dog, that that dog to start showing his potential, you know, to be a top competitor like Zeus, your dog last year, right? Like when when did you start seeing that dog's, you know, light bulb click? Well, it's I'm always looking for the next one. Mm -hmm. Okay, and it's kind of like I've got 14 dogs that are four and under that are monsters. They're killers. Yeah, they're they are potential crown champions. And, and that's what I'm always looking for is, is in that dog. And Zeus realistically was one year ahead and, and it was a rough year for him all year. I mean, he's, he did not get requalified for the crown championship. Right. Uh, he just had what we call a sophomore jinx, you know, and a lot of times you'll see those great animals in that four and five year range that just, if it wasn't me, a handling mistake, if it wasn't him making a mental mistake, it was just a combination of, of the whole year was a disaster force yeah. uh, with that particular animal. But then you, you have other bright spots that, that come out that, that are, that are there. And you just, you just, you just look for that next dog, mm-hmm. um, you know, at, at a young age. Uh, so that's that's kind of what we're always looking for, and you know who, who knows he may be you know you just don't know right when it's going to come right right. So now who what's your lineup looking like this year now? Oh, uh, you, you've got you know you've got Indy who's won two crown championships, mm-hmm. and you know, she's one of the youngest to ever win a crown at, at just right at four and a half to five years of age. Uh, she's a particular dog that if after the first and second series, uh, she's in the top part of the, of that championship. Right. Uh, you better hang on because it, it that's when she's on. She's on or she's off. She's not going to be anything in between. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and, and if she gets out of the gates in good shape, it, it's, it's tough. Uh, Jordan is just four years old and probably truck wise, the most consistent dog we had. Um, if you get into a marking war or if you get into where you get the marks are so tough and so tight, uh, she's a pinpoint marker. She'll be, she'll be tough. What hurts her is her age at just four. That's what kills her. Um, if they stay away from the tricks and all that, she's going to be a threat. You got you got Piro, who is eight years old. He's a 2015 Canadian National Field Champion, and then he was a finalist the following year. Uh, that's an animal. If you get into a Crown Championship where field trial is going to be heavily, you know, marks and stuff like that, he's a threat. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's probably a year away from completely understanding hunt tests and the hunt savvy period. Um, Nikki's an interesting case. Okay. She's eight years old. She's eight years old. Um, if it gets, gets crazy and it gets wild, she won't lose composure. 
she can hold it together through all the weird stuff. Uh, she's a dog, but if you get into a big set of watermarks, she's going to stay wet. Good dogs stay wet. Okay. Okay. Um, you get General, who is probably General is is eleven plus. Um, he's finished in the top four four times, four in a row, two seconds, a third, and a fourth. So you just don't know what you're going to get into. You've got the right grounds and natches right. for him. If I can hold him together health-wise, his ears are good, his eyes are perfect, uh, but at 11 and a half, his body's starting to feel the, the tear. Mm-hmm. Um, if we were going back to Huntsville in the swamp and in the, in the mucky muck and all this, he can't take that. Yeah. So him going to Natchez, it's, it's probably going to be a game time decision whether he runs. Uh, Pete's a big yellow male that finished fifth last year. Uh, yeah, fifth or sixth in the crown last year. Um, potentially you get into big marks, big keyhole blinds. For 90 pounds, he can spin on a dime. He, he's a threat. Um River is a little over eight. Rivers won three SRS events. Uh, she finished in fifth a couple years ago at the Crown by one point uh, when Indy won. Um, if I can get her to close the end of a blind, mm-hmm. she's a threat. Yeah. Um, my last dog, Ranger, is probably the dog that everybody fears the most. Really? He's, he's probably the most. He finished fourth last year, and he ran a couple of blinds that kept him out of the finals. Uh, I'm glad I'm standing beside him, not having to beat him. Uh, when he's on, uh, he is a... Uh, if you probably call my competitors and say, what dog of Lyle scares you the most, it's probably him. Okay. Um, big powerful he can mark he can run the blinds uh he's he's probably if you want to look at what a what a prototype lab should look like it's him from his nose to his tail uh he is genetically clean he is bred the way they need to be bred uh, I mean, and he'll give you 125 percent every day. Okay. Now, now talk oh, about man. that. Talk about that. When you say he's bred the way they need to be bred, like what are the specifics for for a listener that's looking into getting a, a lab of this caliber? Well, you you always you want to put when you're looking at a puppy, uh-huh. okay? And and I'm old and I've been around. So what other people think is a good pedigree, I probably don't, okay? And what I mean by that is it may look good on paper with field champions and amateur field champions, but the thing is there's so many secrets out there about certain dogs that that the average person wouldn't know, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, The dog was didn't like water. He was a fighter. He was, you know, he threw health issues. There's just so many things out there that, that the, the person really doesn't understand. And, and that's not being negative, but you know, 89% of people don't, but right. you want to spend as much money as you can on a puppy mm-hmm. and then make that breeder justify it. Why is this dog 1500 and this one's 7,500? 
or why is this puppy 5,000 and this one's 300? You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, you know, you, you can put a high price tag on something, but you know, it doesn't mean it's worth that. Right. You know? Right. Okay. So, you know, and, and certain trainers and, and amateurs like certain lines, um, you know, it's just, it's a matter of opinion. It's a matter of preference, really. Okay. And, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you about that, we ain't even got to your background, but I'm, you, you got me caught on the pedigrees. What lines are you looking for? If you had to, you're always looking for the next best. Well, a guy this on the, on the winter trip this year, and I had 24 dogs on my truck and he asked basically the same question. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I said, hold on a second. So I walked around the one side of the trailer and I walked on the other. And I said, well, sir, 23 of the 24 dogs on my truck are sired by dogs that have been dead at least 10 years. Oh, wow. The old blood is where it's at. Okay. And, and you take a lot of the field trial dogs that are very successful today, right this minute, are out of dogs that have been dead a while. And I mean, it's, it's a certain particular males produce better males or female puppies. And, and, and you know, it's kind of like that. The, the, the female line is so important. It, it's, they're going to contribute 60 or 70% to, towards that litter of puppies. Yeah. And so as a, as a person looking for a puppy, I look at the female first and then I go to see what's the sire of the puppies. Right. Okay. So it's, it's interesting. You talk about the fe- the females in that line and their importance. I, um, the episode in the, the podcast episode that I sent you just kind of, a you know, to kind of show you how I operate, I was talking to Tommy Rice and he, you know, he's a pointer guy and we got into the same conversation about the importance of females and it's so weird to me how across pointer lines across retriever labrador retriever lines hell across thoroughbred horse lines it's always so much emphasis on the female you know what all right so now let me swing back into your history so you were you were showing um, cattle in, in your younger years, correct? Yeah, I was a Northwest. I was raised, I was brought up in Northwest Missouri. Okay. And I was, I broke the mold from farming. I was probably five, six, seven generation of farmers. And I helped my grandfather on the farm, you know, plant corn, plant beans, do all this stuff, hay, everything, okay? Mm-hmm. And the work ethic that he instilled in me at a young age was, is, you know, um, you earn it, mm-hmm. you know? And so from that time frame on, you know, started showing steers when I was eight years, eight years old. And I mean, I would be up at six o'clock in the morning and I'd go to the show barn and I'd work 20 some head of steers you know, till six o'clock, seven o'clock at night. Um, and then, you know, we, we work these show steers no different than we work the dogs, training, haltering, leading, trimming feet, you know, conditioning, the right supplements, the right feed. I mean, it's, it's, it's not anything that truthfully that we do differently today, mm-hmm. but 
I was competing against guys that were 16 years old to 21 years old. I mean, I was competing against people that were two and three times my age. Right. Um, so it was a deal where I would basically have ice in my veins. You know, I never showed emotion, you know, in the ring or, or any of that. And, and it's kind of like my wife, Stephanie, and I made a return visit last May back to the Missouri State Fair in Sedalia at the Coliseum. Okay. Mm. And I would literally, after everybody would leave, I would go study the Coliseum floor. There was holes, there was mounds, there was everything. I knew every bad spot in that, that, that arena, that Coliseum, not where to put your steer. Hmm. Okay. okay. Well, since then, that Coliseum looks like it's flat as a pancake and there's no hills or holes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's probably, I might have had something to do with that. But, you know, the work ethic is I'm not the best trainer in the country. Okay. But the only thing I can do is, and I was taught was, is just go out, work them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's still true today. I mean, you know, on, on Shannon's handler questionnaire, it says, what's your weakness? It's my age. You know, I'm competing against guys now half my age who can see better, have better depth perception and better reaction time. But still, like you said, the old blood is where it's at. So, I mean, that's right. <laughs> I'm not going to get rattled. Yeah. And I've won seven crown championships. Mm-hmm. That's that's the threat that I have is I will take a gamble. Yeah. Does that make sense? I Absolutely. won't lay up. Right. I can't lay up. Even if I'm ahead a hundred points, I can't lay up. Mm-hmm. And and that and that gamble is is you know, when you're in the heat of in the heat of a trial, what do you what are some examples of what you mean you'll take a gamble? Like give me a scenario. Indy won a crown championship by one point. Mm-hmm. That's half a whistle. Mm-hmm. In five series, you you've got to be able to gamble. You've got to be able to say, okay. Uh, many a times, I've called John Kerr and say, John, we're at an SRS Classic and it's the first series. I tell him, I'm going for the win now. It's the first series, Lyle. I got to win now. Yeah. So you've got to determine if that's a series that you go, okay, I'm going all in and just hanging on for the rest. You you sound like a a, a pro spades player. <laughs> you sound like a, look look play to win. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you know you you got to be able to want to take a gamble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With anything, you know, uh, it, it's just you've got to be able to gamble. So, um, you've got to be able to. You know, and then, you know, you asked me a question about, you know, my coonhound days. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I would you know, please I up, get into that too. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, I grew up, one of my classmates' grandfather lived down the road from me, and he was a great coon hunter. And he told me, he taught me how to trap and, and all this. Well, that went south when I got tired of that. So, <laughs> you know, Don Shottle got me a coonhound. And, and so when I was in middle school, I started coon hunting. And, uh, you know, what I, what I figured out is if you can read a dog in the dark, you can read him if you can see him. Right. 
And, and that's probably another thing that helped me in my career was the work ethic, um, the coon hounds, the bird dogs, all of those things that, that developed a skill set of one of the greatest compliments I've ever was given was a close friend and client said, you know, you're only half human. Mm-hmm. And I never understood exactly what that meant for a while, but he goes, you're only, you think dog, probably more than 50%, but you're only half human. So that's what you got to do. And I tell a lot of guys that train with me, quit thinking like human, think like dog. Think like a dog. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Think like they would think you're trying to rationalize something that the dog can't rationalize. Mm-hmm. And, and you're, 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 what do they call it? Anthropomorphizing, um, you know, the dog and, and trying to, it sounds like a force of will. Dogs, I don't think I don't they don't operate like that. You know, um, there's a team aspect to it. But I think the the element of drive when you say, you know, you more a second ago, you were essentially saying you play to win. Right. It sounds like you're two steps ahead of the dog. You're calculating. You know, your dog, you know what he's going to potentially do. You know, you weigh your outcomes and you're, you're calculating all of these things. The average human is not going to do that. And that's the thing that's going to that sets you apart from a lot of these young guys like you were talking. Well, every dog has a hunt, a hunt pattern. Mm-hmm. OK, dogs, dogs are inside out markers or outside in markers. They're one of the two, unless you're Jordan and she's pinpoint marker, which is rare. Okay. <laughs> now, now, she give, me, give me the detail on what you mean by inside out or outside in. Okay. Say, for instance, you got a mark and you got a guy throwing a bird right to left. Mm-hmm. If you're an inside out marker, you run about three to five feet between the bird and the thrower. Okay. And then you J-hook to the left. An outside-in marker is going to come into the left side of that mark and bow into it. And work into it. Okay. So you've got to figure out if your dog, which one he is. So when you're in one of these competitions, whether it be AKC, UKC, or whatever it is, you've got to understand what his thought process is on kicking him high or kicking him low, knowing he's going to push off a gun station. Mm -hmm. You just got to know your dog better than somebody else. And that's extremely hard to do. Uh, But you just got to watch them. They've all got hunt patterns. It's like, it's like a roadmap. Mm -hmm. They'll get you there. They have their ways of getting you to the desired source. You know, it, that sounds to me a lot, like it came from your experience working coon dogs. Um, yes. It, that sounds yes. exactly like where they correct me if I'm wrong. That, that is, that is correct. I mean, I went to a lot of night hunts, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of night hunt championships, several world championships. And, and I remember, you know, I had a, a Walker coonhound named radar. Okay. And he was extremely intelligent. Then I had a meat dog that looked like he was half blue tick, half walker, and he could track anything, but he wouldn't stay treed. Mm -hmm. Radar hit tree. If radar would hit treed on a coon, 
you couldn't pull him off with a DC nine caterpillar. He was going to stay right there. Right. And they were a great combination. Uh, when I was hunting, you know, after, after basketball practice or, or whatever it would be, you know, it was a deal where he, he was a special animal, but he was easier to read it in the dark. Right. And that's what I needed at that time. I guess you say, looking back, that's what I needed in my career. Uh, because he was so, so easy to read. You knew if he was going to go left or he was going to go right. Right. But you knew, you knew the differences between those two dogs well enough to know what to expect and how to pair them and how to hunt with them together. Um, right. You know, right. When that, I, would, I guess you'd say they call, I guess, meat hunt. I guess that's what you, you would say. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, yeah, they were, they were, and, and Blue was the other dog's name and I couldn't catch him to take him home. That's how much he liked tracking Oh wow! You could never, you could never catch him to bring him home. He'd be there at the doorstep the next morning, laying on your coat. That's wild. And it didn't matter if you were five miles away or ten miles; he'd be <laughs> home the next morning. <laughs> you knew he was going to get home. Him. Yeah, you weren't going to catch him because he knew what you were trying to do. And he didn't want to come off that track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. See that, you know, it's so interesting just to you know learn all of this about you, man, and. I've always had a a, a admiration for the hound guys, man. I had one that was terrible back in the day. I always say that, but you know, one day I want to get back into it just sometime down the line. Um, But I think for anybody that is really trying to get into, you know, the top level field trials, top level hunt tests. And and if you started with coon dogs, I just think there's something special about that learning experience that translates to bird dogs, to, to Labrador retrievers, to, you know, to, to a lot of different breeds, because there's something so raw about that, um, that experience. You know, and, and you really, like you said, you have to learn, you have to learn them in not at night. So when you're in the retriever world and you've got a dog that's 165 yards out and he barely see you and you barely see him, you know, what does that say about the handler's trust? You know, what does that say about the relationship that you guys have, um, you know, while in the middle of competition? It, it's it's a and it still is an adrenaline rush yeah to me i mean it, it's it, it's a it's it's one of the small things that shaped my career right but i still love i love still hearing about coon hunting i it's i love it i mean running through the fields and pitch dark you know, hitting a ditch and about breaking your neck or, you know, crossing a creek or, you know, it was, it, it's my childhood. Mm-hmm. You know, my wife, Stephanie, went with me on several coon hunts and, and some of my close classmates, we, you know, we loved it. We go, you know, we'd almost get in trouble coming home at two, three or four o'clock in the morning. But, you know, it, it was, it was crazy. I mean, it was, you know, we didn't have to shoot anything. We just, we were there, you know, the camaraderie, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, 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 like I said, I think there's something unique that translates, you know, to retrievers, to pointers, all of all of the competition, the performance dogs. I think there's something, you know, the con- there's a common denominator with hound guys. But, you know, I, even with that, and I, I want to hit this subject one more time before I, I move on. But did you see a commonality 
you know, like I don't never mind. Let me re, let me rephrase the question. What is it about females of, of any type of animal that makes or breaks that dog because you hear so many people talk about you know studs this and studs that but there I've heard there's been a common trend between guys wanting to buy females what 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 is that what genetically well, is that here here's this is the I guess the example I use all the time and every one of my females in my kennel mm-hmm. are, are all alphas Okay. Okay. And most of, well, I would say 99% of the females in my kennel will never be bred. Really? That's just, that's just the owners. They don't care about puppies whatsoever. Okay. Okay. And it's just, they just don't, they like black females or, or they like black males and they don't care about breeding. But they just want a dog that'll win period or they want a dog that's right. an alpha yeah right and i mean here is is and don't get me wrong every every dog's special okay but in in the competitions most of them are black mm-hmm. okay and as guy goes why i said well use the kentucky derby yep you can ride a shetland pony in the kentucky derby and you can get around the track you're not going to get around very fast, but you're going to get around the track. You'll get there someday. <laughs> yeah, you'll get there someday, or you can drive a thoroughbred and get there in a whole lot of hurry. Right. So it, it's just, you know, that's just, and, and like I say, there's a lot of nice yellow dogs, really nice chocolate dogs. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's just, it, it's that theory. It's like when you coon hunt. Mm-hmm. You, you get a walker hound. Hard to beat. Yeah, you get a walker hound. It's the same thing for you know pointers. I got a, a pointer because shit. If you keep looking in the field draw Hall of Fame, look at American Field. There you go. <laughs> they keep winning. You know, and and you take you know a guy made a comment several years ago because I was in the bird dogs, mm-hmm. which very few people know. Okay, and they go, if you'd have stayed in the bird dogs, you would have been in the Hall of Fame. So I appreciate the compliments, but. I tumbled up so many horses, okay, mm-hmm. that that's why God made ATVs, <laughs> okay? And I mean, I'm, I'll tell you what, I didn't pile up more than one horse. It was a bunch of horses. It was a bunch okay? of them. <laughs> and, and I need one about 20 years old, about halfway to die. That's yeah. the only one I wanted to ride. And you got to be a, basically a thoroughbred driving crazy maniac to run field trial bird dogs. And now I'm... That's why I went to labs. That's that's why I went that deal. Yeah. But it was just, and I like watching bird dogs, and I love a pointer that's got a tail at 12 o'clock that puffs up and is two inches taller after he comes on point. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love seeing them to this day, but then I think about that horse I got to get on. I go, I don't really think I need that horse that bad. Yeah, see, look, I'm I'm going to be running my, my pointer in his first trial in February, and I'm drooling over it, man. Like, you know, them horseback trials and all of that stuff. So, um, but to, I think it's interesting that you said, you know, that about, you know, black labs. Um, cause I got a yellow and he's a hell of a hunter. Don't get me wrong. I take him to a duck blind, take him to a dove field. And he is a, he's a beast, but he is not a trial dog. He is not, 
I'm, I would I would not dare put him in. I mean, I ran him in one UKC hunt test. He, I mean, started wasn't really much to pass, and he did all right. But the dog just doesn't. I, when I look at him, he doesn't seem to think like what I see in your dogs. You know, we hunt, we hunt together. He he he's a little bit more self driven, if that makes sense. Well. Yes, but here here is the situation. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's 22 dogs on my truck. One of them hunts. Mm-hmm. Okay, what we've got into is the amount of money that we spend on these dogs, time wise, training, genetics, and the whole nine yards. Okay, if we get hurt in training or we got hurt in a trial, that's just a freak deal. Right. But if one of these dogs gets hurt in a hunting situation, that's a shame. Right. You can't okay. ju- you can't justify it. You you can't. And one of my clients in Louisiana that has a four year old phenom that's finished two nationals that's just starting to run his SRS career is a big Louisiana duck hunter, big one. And him and I have a negotiation. He can shoot 30 ducks over him and that's it. Okay. But I had him when he was just right at two mm-hmm. and I had him a week or two and he, and he calls me and he goes, what do you think? I said, you need to find a duck dog. Cause this isn't it. <laughs> and so I sent him a picture of a duck hunting accident on a dog where it basically broke its leg. Oh, shoot. And he goes, oh, my goodness. I said, you know, I'm not saying this could happen, but if you do this to him, you have ended his career. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, that's just it. I don't want any dog to get hurt in any situation. Yeah. But I've been extremely blessed to have many, many once in a lifetime dogs that I get to stand by. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just rare to have, you know, that, let alone if you get one in your lifetime that's special. But, you know, I've had several and, you know, I have several now that I consider very, very special right. uh, to their, to their careers. But, you know, and, and as a teacher, okay, my job, if you're a client of ours, my job is to protect your dog's career. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm supposed to do. Whether it hurts your feelings or not, my job is to protect that particular dog's career. And that means keeping them out of a hunting situation well, I mean, <laughs> and being honest about it to the, to the owner. Right. I mean, and there's when a dog's career is over, you know, like we've got a couple of dogs that are going to retire this year and they're going to go to big duck clubs and, and big guiding outfits and they'll have a ball, you know, picking up ducks and geese. They'll have a ball and they'll look like, I mean, when you got a million dollars in a dog, basically, you know, they're going to, they will do it, figure it out pretty quick. Right. So. All right. Welcome back, Miss August. Welcome to the Gun Dog Notebook Podcast. And August and I, while we're here, we want to thank Shannon Nardi of the Super Retriever Series, brought to you by Yukonuba, for getting this podcast set up with Lyle Steinman of Castile Creek Kennel. So, August, thank Miss Nardi. All right, guys, back to the episode. 
mean, there's just there's just some dogs in life. That's what you're saying. There are some dogs that, and, and I will tell you, I probably wouldn't hunt with very many dogs on my truck. Yeah. They're terrible. <laughs> but if you took them to an SRS where you got to go three yards or six hundred, they can. Mm-hmm. And 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 see that's that's so interesting. My dog is not going to run that far. He's gonna he'll give you a hundred yards. He'll give you a hundred. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that's about as far as he, but again, we don't need to do that. We don't train for that. You know, we, he's going to go and retrieve what he needs to retrieve it. And in a shooting scenario, you know, I like that I'm able to have this discussion with someone of your caliber in a shooting scenario. Hell, honestly, if I let a duck get 300 yards away from me, that's a problem. Well, Here's here's kind of what you get into also. Training will take you a couple hundred yards. Okay, mm-hmm. you can train anything to go a hundred to two hundred yards, but the genetics is going to get you five or six hundred. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it it's it goes back to you know save your money, buy the most expensive puppy you can find because that's going to save you money as far as if you have a trainer or if you train it yourself. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it goes back to it's kind of like the first day of kindergarten. It's like walking into a class of 25 year old, five year olds and saying that all five of them are all 25 of them are going to be doctors. That ain't true. <laughs> there you go. And, and I mean, even though you go out and spend a lot of money for a puppy, yeah, that doesn't ensure your success. It just hopefully helps you, um, you know, get to where you want to go. And I mean, that's that's the thing, too, is you need to we're big on making plans on what's your goal what's your achievement you know what do you want to do i want a nice gun dog okay we'll do it for you uh, you know and then we train quite a few gun dogs for a lot of guys that, that kill a lot of birds and pheasants and quail and ducks and then we've got guys that go i want an srs dog or i want to i want a master national dog well you know in this program where we're at is anything short of three master national passes, which puts you in the hall of fame. We have failed anything short of winning a crown championship or potentially having a dog that could win a crown. We have failed. Wow. That's big goals, man. Yeah. I mean, we, you have to set your goals high. I mean, don't set your goals low. And this is with anybody. Set your goals high, okay? You know, reach for the stars. That's what they always used to say. Keep reaching. Keep training. Mm -hmm. You know, keep keep working at it. You know, know, in my career is I need to learn something every day. Mm -hmm. When you quit learning as a teacher or, or whatever you are as profession, you're done. Yeah. You know, even, you know, you just got to keep getting better and better. And you're only as good as the last time you left the driveway. Mm-hmm. Well, they say you're only as good as your last dog. That's right. Mm-hmm. Your standard. Don't worry about the standard, whether it be AKC or UKC. Make your standard. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So talk about, you know, your kennels and, and, and the foundation, Castile Creek Kennels, like, when did you guys what was the beginning like talk about it from start to now well I started was one of their 
very few people who started in the AKC hunt test program in the mid eighties. And so I had a gentleman in my, the name of Sonny Leland Ellison, who took me under his wing and, and he is the reason, one of the many reasons I'm here today. You know, he took me hunting. He took me to field trials. He took me to hunt tests. Uh, he taught me a lot of things uh, about dogs. So, you know, I got my first lab in the mid eighties and, you know, he was a nice dog. He could run any blind you want to, but he couldn't mark. He couldn't find a hot dog in a phone booth. Most of our <laughs> listeners won't even know what a phone booth is, but he couldn't find a hot dog in your back seat. Okay. And I knew that right off the bat. So I found a guy who really liked to hunt. And so that's where he went. Right. Uh, and then I started out you know, uh, I called Bill Eckett and I was looking for a dog and, and he had one. I went down there and Bill and Becky Eckett took me under their wings and I trained with Becky a lot. And they were set they're 78 miles from my doorstep to theirs. So that's basically, and, and Bill's a hall of famer field trialer. He passed away a couple of years ago. And, you know, I paid attention more than he thought I did as far as what he taught me you know he taught me facilities you know uh, hard work you know he, he taught me a lot of things that were very instrumental in my career uh, and there was a lot of other people that, that that formed my career you know with that but it always went back to you can't listen to what people say mm-hmm. you can't read the articles that were wrote about you you can't read the internet. You just, you've you got to block it out and you've got to go train. Yep. Yep. I, I, I'm so glad you said that too. Um, just as a personal, you know, aside, I had to learn that myself <laughs> with my own dog, you know, um, so I, I definitely understand. I ain't going to go too deep into it, but I, I'm so glad you put that out there. Um, you know, for so many other aspiring listeners, people need to hear that. You know, everybody can be a social media phenom. And with that comes a lot of criticism and, and, and things like that. But I really do think it's important to not only listen to or to, to not listen to everything that's out there and to set your own standard. But coming from somebody like yourself, I mean, that means the world, you know, that's worth his weight in gold. Um, and I think the, the innovators of the field trial and the hunt test and the SRS and AKC, I think all of the innovators, you have to have that mentality, you know, you've got to be creative in the ways that you go about training. You can correct me if I'm wrong. No, I, you know, and, and it's, you know, it's one thing that Bill told me, he said, it's more important who trained the dog than the dog itself. Mm-hmm. And, and you take dogs have pedigrees. Okay. It's kind of like, you, you know, I'm a football. I watch a lot of football and, and, that's just a hobby, mm-hmm. you know, because I really don't have any other hobbies. But you take like you talk about the Bill Belichick tree of coaching. Mm-hmm. You talk about now the Andy Reid coaching tree. Mm-hmm. It, it's a deal where I, I as a trainer, have a pedigree on who taught me. Yeah. Okay. And it's no different than where I'm at in my career that one of my close friends made the comment last year. He goes you're at a point where you want to teach 
Yeah, because when I'm gone and done, I'm done. Yeah. There's nothing I can give. And I've mentored several young dog trainers, not just in the way of training, but in the way of life. You know, and, and that's encouraging. I mean, you, you talk about, you know, it, it's I've made the reference several times. I'm not at the beginning of my career. I'm not the middle of my career. I'm at the end of my career. Yeah. And I'm OK with it. It, it took a while for me to accept that. Now, I still want to win and I still want to pass nationals and all this stuff. But I can accept that I'm 55 years old. OK that I can't do what I did when I was 30, Mm -hmm. 35. Okay. So I still try and work the same way, but I've tried to teach these young trainers again, more about training, but more about life. Okay. And my youngest daughter is prime example of that she has been a pro dog trainers child very early in her career yeah and and she understood that daddy missed a lot of ball games missed a lot of programs missed a lot of things but you're still my daughter and you're still my baby girl right you know she is this big a fan you know i can always count on before a national or a crown a long text message Mm-hmm. I know it's coming. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it will make you cry going, don't let up, you know, you, you know, they're very personal, but they're very um, driven, motivated. And, and, you know, I'm an under, I'm an overachiever. Okay. Wow, man. That was, wow. That hit it home. Goes, but go ahead. It does. I mean, it, <laughs> and so is my youngest daughter. We've had to work for everything. She has to work her butt off to go to college, to study, to study, to study. And that's what I've had to do. I've not ever been the best, but I've always given 125%. And I guess that's what, you know, your listeners that listen to this, just out, no matter what you do as a job, you ain't got to be the best. You just got to outwork that person. It don't matter if you're painting houses or plumbing or electrician just outwork that person mm-hmm. you know and I admire here's the thing a lot of people don't understand about me and I don't let a lot of people that close to me but as amateurs I admire amateur dog trainers mm-hmm. okay they work a full time job and 40 hours ain't happening no more okay right. so they work 60 hours a week they come home and they train to dark I mean I couldn't do it mm-hmm. I admire those guys I mean they, they are you know at the crown championship them amateurs they, I, they have more respect I give them more respect than that because guess what I couldn't do it I don't think I'd work 60 plus hours come home go train my dogs come in it's dark eat supper go to bed go to work I mean yeah yeah. It, it's it's oh my I mean, it's a grind, man, and but that's what it takes, you know. And and when you get guys like that, you know, I was talking to Shannon um, not too long ago, and she was saying the amateurs are right up there with with you pros. Like 
as far as the quality of dog work, it's it's just a matter of classification. But those guys are grinding, man. That they, 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 you know, and, and I think it was it was long overdue that we split the amateurs and the pros. Long overdue, mm-hmm. you know. And there's been several amateurs that were in the finals, you know, top four, and and you know, there's several guys out there that that pushed me. Yeah. You know, going to a crown championship a couple of years ago, I had an amateur, Mike Gibson with Jeter. He scared me. Yeah. I was scared of one dog and it was him and he ended up third. Okay. Um, I think at third or fourth, he was, he was there. Okay. Mm-hmm. But there's been several amateurs and do, if we were still running together, do I think an amateur would potentially win the crown championship overall? Yes, I do. Yeah. I do. I can I can agree with that. I I I see that. Yeah. I mean, there is a you know, it, it's the guys that like you said they have to do all of this work and things like that. I mean, they're looking forward to getting back out there in the field after a long day of work, you know. Um and they want and you know, and they're looking up to guys like you wanting to be where you are. You know, so what do you have to do? I mean, you got to climb that mountain and you got to get there and do what you got to do. I I think a lot of these guys, you know, because they may not be able to have 20 dogs, right? You know, they may not be able to carry all of that. They've got a, a, a limited number of dogs that they're spending you know, all of that time and aspiration trying to work towards being able to have that long string. I mean, it's very inspiring. You know, um, I'm a flip to the pointer end of things. Farrell Miller. Yep. He's an amateur. <laughs> he's He shouldn't be, but he's classified as an amateur. And, that, and, and everything I'm hoping to meet him, you know, pretty soon. I hope I can. Um, he worked his butt off in every pro and every amateur now in the field trial game says the same thing about Farrell Miller. He works his butt off even to this day. I think there is a, a, a certain amount of work ethic. You know, I've got a buddy, uh, Bob Owens. Um, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, Bob, you know, Bob, I mean, he Absolutely. works his butt off. He does. I mean, those guys, and you take a gentleman like Farrell, which here's what's crazy and most of your listeners won't believe he's a professional amateur yeah okay yeah I mean and there's a lot of guys out there yes they're amateur status but they're professional amateurs no different pro-am golfers mm-hmm. they work as hard at it as anybody and and they're yeah he is I mean and, and yeah I, I follow so many different venues that, like I say, I'm telling you more than than I've ever told anybody as far as <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you know, that. It. <laughs> I mean, I, I do. I follow those guys. I know who they are because, I mean, it's like one thing that I like watching. I like watching agility handlers. Mm-hmm. They're crazy. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I pass out running that fast. <laughs> you know, but those guys and, and ladies, I mean, I mean, it's, it's they got to know their dogs. Yeah. You and and it's fun to watch them. I mean, it's it's but you know it's kind of like every dog game. I love seeing you know like when they do the doc. Shannon has the doc. I like watching Super V and all that stuff. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, man. You know, 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's those are freaks too. But you're you're looking at when you get to this level, you're talking the top two or three percent mm-hmm. mm-hmm. is what you're what you're looking for. And I mean, and that's what's so difficult. You you know you're just looking for that. You're you're looking for greatness. And, and, and that's hard sometimes here that I, you know, my level of expectation, which is spoke here on a daily basis about, but you know, it's, we're looking for the next one. Yeah. Striving to be better. You know, how can we get better? How can, you know, do we need to dig another tech pond? Do we need, you know, do we, do we need this? Do we need that? I mean, that's the whole, you know, the whole gamut. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that, and that's what it takes, man. So you know, and I I, I want to stick to the 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 time, but give me a if you can give me your prediction or, or what you expect to accomplish out there this year, and 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 give me a little bit of how Natchez is different than Huntsville, and how you plan to attack that before we conclude. Well, that, that's that's a very great question okay so when the crown championship was at mayflower Mm -hmm. then you better have a dog that was phenomenal in the water okay if you can't run an open all-age water blind at three four five hundred yards if your dog wasn't good in the water good on tech ponds then you didn't have a chance yeah Okay, so when I found out that we were going to Huntsville, I started looking for a dog that could go six, seven, eight hundred yards. On land. Yeah. yeah, and he didn't have to be that good in the water because they didn't have good water. Right. Okay, whereas Natchez has a combination of both great land and water. Okay, so when we return to Huntsville, you know, hopefully we'll get out of some of the swamps and, you know, the, the cypress. And I mean, once you keep running over the same grounds over and over again, there's no, you're going to see the same thing. Right. Yeah. So you, you it's kind of like horse racing. If you got a horse that likes a muddy track, you hope it, it rains. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And you, so, you, you, you see know, that we went to the Derby this year and a lot of that happened, but go ahead. But you're correct. But you take football teams. You got a fast team. You want artificial turf. Oh, yeah. You got a slow team. You want grass. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you want the field watered down. So, I mean, it's just what you're, what you're looking at, and, and that's what you get into. You're looking at certain, you know, right now we're more into a little hunt savvy and a little UKC shooting guns and all this. Okay, well, I'm still trying to get better handling the gun where it'll come back where the field trial dog is a little more heavier and a little more stronger. It, it always works in circles or in a cycle, I guess you'd say. Right. Um, but yeah, you're just looking for a well-rounded dog. But you know, it, it comes down to is you you got to look for that. That's you're looking for that special dog. Mm-hmm. That will you know that'll be able to do that. And and SRS is you know pretty all-encompassing. So I'm you know interested in 
you know, I'm rooting for you. I'll say that. <laughs> I'm rooting for you. You'd be the only one, probably. <laughs> well, dang it, you, you got me on the team, man. I'm rooting for you. And I got I got one person that wants me to win the crown. <laughs> I'm sure you got a lot more than that. Oh, I tell you what, you, you one of your questions, which I when I read some of the questions you were asking is, is um, and Shannon, I think, finally believes this, but of all the filming, the taping, all the TV shows, and, and I told a client this the other day, and he was in shock. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many hours she's filming, but a lot since 2006. A, ton. a, lot, of, a lot of film. That lady don't stop hours. moving. <laughs> no, she done a lot of YouTube. Uh-huh. Um, I've maybe watched 15 minutes of myself. Hmm. And she she paused one day when I told her that. I said, I've maybe watched 15 minutes. She goes, What? Yeah, I don't I don't I don't do that. It, it, if you look at that and you you you're living on the past. Mm-hmm. You're watching the past, which is which you know, someone getting into it, I know of a lot of the young hammers have watched hours and hours and hours of YouTube and, and studied me, you know, one of my young, young trainers, that's what he did. He watched hours. I mean, you could stand back at 300 yards and you think it's me. He's copied my handling demeanor and everything, which is a compliment. I told him, you know, that's fine. Yeah. But it's a deal where in 15 minutes is a load. Okay. Because if you watch that, then you believe you know, you believe that you can do it all the time. Well, you can't do that. You're, you, you know, anybody can win one crown. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is, you know, and, and, you know, like I say, one of the stories that, that really was crazy. I was in Texas at a hunt test and I was in an oil field and I was airing dogs by myself. And I don't know how many I had, but many. Yeah. Okay. And I think I'd won two or three crowns. I think I, Jack might have won his second or third, but I mean, it is pitch black dark Mm -hmm. and I'm driving out and there's a bunch of vehicles that I got to drive by and I'm a little nervous. Uh, Like I'm not, I'm going, Oh my, you know? And so I drive up and I roll the window down and the guy goes, we've been waiting on you, which made me feel worse. Okay. I go, I'm going to drag me out of my truck. And he goes, we've watched you on TV. So, well, well, thank you. And he goes, the fire in your eyes is what we love about you. Mm-hmm. The drive and the determination, demanding respect, demanding that dog run the best it possibly can. And he was only a true dog person can see that. Yeah. Oh, I, I hear it, Lyle. Like from here to there, I, I hear it. So I can only imagine what they're seeing. And I go, well, I never really watched myself. So we'll think he goes, yes. And we root for you. So, so I said, thank you, because not very many of them, not very many of them do. Yeah. And he goes, he goes, we tune in to see if they can beat you. I said, yeah, so it's a lot of people. But, you know, and, and that's that's one of many stories that that you go, wow. And, and you jog back a lot of memories that, you know, mm-hmm. there's been a lot of phenomenal runs and some special runs and, you know. Mm-hmm. 
it's I'm, it's I mean you've got such a storied history man and like I said I, I, I mean it when I say I hear it in your voice and there is there is is, is going to be a load of people that are going to look back on, on these, you know, films and, and things like that, you know, that they're going to try to copy you. I, I definitely am not surprised that that gentleman was trying to emulate your technique. You know, I think, and I think we all have folks, you know, that we should look up to, you know, so... Well, it's, it's it's. I've had a great career. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm blessed that I get up every day, and I get to do what God wanted me to do. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, it, it's kind of like I've got a lot of clients that are that are very special to me, and and they're a hundred. I've always told them, you're a hundred million times smarter than me. And if I could read and write and add and subtract, I wouldn't be your dog trainer. Yeah. And and they'll tell you every month when I send them a bill that it's never right. You know, they laugh. And I go, but I can do something you can't do. They go, you're right. But it, it's it's been a deal where I can't even plug in a toaster hard. Okay. <laughs> but it, it's just it, five to 600 yards. I know if that dog's going to turn left or he's going to turn right, mm. you know, and, and, and that, that's the only, you know, God given talent that I was blessed with is that's it. I mean, I, I mean, it's just, I can't do anything else. And, and it's just been, you know, a blessing that, that, you know, I've had great, I've had some very special animals to stand beside. Mm-hmm. That's that's been a blessing, um, and you know, I'm I'm blessed to stand beside you know some very special animals still today. So, um, it's humbling to say the least. Yeah. Well, it is. It's it's humbling to be on the line. <laughs> with you and you know that just got me fired up <laughs> that really did well I, I hope I motivate people to go train yeah and it's kind of like on my Facebook page I, I post videos they're not very good videos but they're videos and they're not I don't edit nothing okay because I'm not smart I didn't even know what a podcast was <laughs> several months ago okay so that's that's how, but I know what Facebook is and Instagram, and, and half the time I can't post them right on Instagram to go to someplace else. And, uh-huh. Or Dennis, who's, Dennis goes, oh, you're gonna put no video on your on your on your setup today. I said, oh man, what the heck? <laughs> I back in there and I go, oh, man, I'm about. But, but you know, it, it's what's amazing is if someone has a question, pick up the phone and call me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. Pick up a phone, call me and say, hey, Lyle, what, what, you know, I can't show a dog run. Everybody wants to see a dog run in my setup, but it takes like six years to get all that through. But it's a deal where anybody out there, I mean, I'll help anybody. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the only thing I got to give is back to the sport that I truly love. Yeah. You know, and uh, I think, and I but want, I think that's I want, what it's about though. It is. It is. I want the next generation of dog trainers and teachers, you know, to be successful, you know, um, you know, 
it, you know, someone calls and asks me a question. It doesn't mean it's right. It just means it's my, right. my thought process and my opinion. But, you know, I, I just, you know, I want, you know, it's, it's like, you know, at the crown here in a couple of weeks, it's a deal where I want every one of those dogs open an amateur to have the best four or five days of their life. Mm-hmm. And let the chips fall. You know, that that's just it. I want the best dog in the open and I want the best dog in the amateur to win. Yep. That's all I want. You know, whether I have it or not, I just want the best dog to win. Mm-hmm. And do the best that you can out there. Yep. That that's yeah. I just yeah. Don't leave it up to three judges. You know. Yeah. And, and and you are also getting ready for another event, correct? Like what this is it this weekend? Yeah, I've got I've got uh, we go leave tomorrow to go to North Dakota to a double header master test in Fargo, North Dakota, and and then we'll come home and train. You know, a couple of weeks we'll change gears and, and go long. We've been doing a little bit of short stuff, but we'll go long. Come Monday afternoon, we'll drive drive most of the night to get home, and, um, and then we'll get ready for the crown. Then we'll start shucking shells and sitting on buckets and you know jumping over stuff and getting in and out of a boat and i don't know what else so it's just you know crazy stuff and then after that we'll get ready to go a couple of weeks after that we'll go to shrawl south carolina for the master national okay so okay all right well like i said you you, you got more than one person rooting for you but you definitely <laughs> got me rooting for you um how can the listeners get a hold of you facebook instagram website all of that stuff give, give it give us something to leave with uh, just go to uh, Facebook. We've got Castile Creek Kennels, uh, both Instagram and, and the Facebook page, and then the website, which we need to update, but it's castilecreekkennels.com. And, you know, or, or Google my name and, and pull up the number. And like I say, you got a question. You want help? Pick up the cell phone. Yeah. Just call me. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's a deal where I'll answer any question. And again, it may not be the right answer, but it'll be just my opinion. Yeah. And I mean, to help someone who is having problems with a dog or, or, or what do I need to do here? And, and it, you know, it, it doesn't matter. You know, just pick it up and call us and, and we'll sure help you. I mean, we just, we just want, you know, those dogs do the best they can and, and, and do the best they can. And then in next July, I think mid July, we're having a seminar. I get a bunch of calls about doing seminars and, and doing a two and three day seminar is more stressful than, than running a master national or a crown championship. Cause I try and give everybody so much information that I sometimes overload them, but yeah. we're going to do a seminar next July here. And, and, you know, like I say, we've got several people signed up. We just, you know, we just want to get back yep. to sport. Yep. Yep. I, I think that should be, you know, taking care of the dogs, um, getting them to perform at their very best and giving back, man. That's, you know, that's what it's about. And, and, I try to do this or do that with my podcast. Um, you know, I'm, I'm learning the ropes myself, you know, and, and, and trying to figure out, you know, how to work a dog and how to keep them, you know, fired up myself. So listening, listening to you, to guys like you and, 
you know, hearing your stories, man, like that, that really means a lot, Lyle, like seriously. And I want to thank you personally for taking the time out of your busy schedule to, to chit chat with me for a bit. Well, it, it's a privilege to, to be on here with you. And, and like I say, if, if we can help one person, mm-hmm. we've achieved what our goal is, you know, um, but no, I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, we just we want everybody to get better. That, that's the best way to put it. Yeah. Well, after the crown, if you don't mind, um, I would like to do just a random idea. I would like to do a follow up after the crown and get some more of your thoughts on the performance. How's that sound? Great. We'd love to do it. And like I said, till a couple of months ago, I didn't even know what a podcast was. So I said, What's a podcast? I said, what are we talking about? I go, I said, I'm just a dog trainer, you okay? Well, what, you know, I got enough trouble running my iPhone, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> well well that's why you got guys time. Yeah. You you got guys like me doing the leg work. All you got to do is talk. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it, it was it was fun to say the least. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It was it was, it was crazy. Well, wow, that is the end of the episode, listeners. Um, I hope y'all enjoyed that, man. This is another great episode of the Gun Dog Notebook podcast with Lyle Steinman, and you know, Team Gun Dog Notebook is is is, is rooting for Lyle. So that is the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> we'll catch y'all next week. Guys, I'd like to thank all my sponsors and affiliates from Onyx Maps, our title sponsor, to Yukonuba Sporting Dog, to Garmin Fish and Hunt, um, for, to Dakota 283 Kennels, to Lion Country Supply, and everybody else that has been supporting the podcast since day one. Thanks again to Project Upland and the Northwoods Collective. You can't cry when you're recording.